doubled up 5% this past week. Silver, finally making a believer out of me, up 16% the past week. The dollar broke 95, closed in the 94.40 range. We're going to talk the dollar. Is this the destruction of the dollar, as many have been calling for decades on end? Copper still flirting with $3. We're going to talk about the most notorious serial killer and rapist you likely have never heard of and why. We'll talk Dr. Fauci. We'll talk junior resource stocks. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Fight the Fed, Nick Hodge. This is episode 79 of Bizarro World. How are you, Fight the Fed, Nick Hodge? Wait, what? There was something thrown in there that was not like the others. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not prepared for it, so I'm, I'm I'm interested to get into it. But I know you want to start with the market, so I'm well. How are you? I am well. What caught your attention? <laughs> <laughs> and there's something about a serial killer that I never heard of, and him him or her being extremely prolific. Yes, prolific. Prolific is the word used to describe this gentleman. We'll we'll, we'll talk markets in just a second, but I, I I started watching this new documentary on HBO, which is extremely well done. Um, and, it, and it's on this gentleman uh, named the East Area Rapist. And I mean, this guy murdered, you know, confessed to at least a dozen uh, murders and raped over 50 people. And that's on the low end of it. So we'll talk about um, why you've likely never heard of this guy, uh, despite the fact that, you know, there's an HBO documentary about him and he just pleaded guilty after so many years. And anyhow, we'll get into that. But let's talk gold. Let's get right to it. Up 5% this week, uh, closed right at that $1,900 level, trading beautifully. I will make a prediction, which, you know, always makes fools of us, right, with time. But I believe that in the next 7 to 10 days, we take out all-time highs in U.S. dollars. Of course, it's already done it in most other currencies. How are you feeling about the gold space, Nick? Yeah, I mean... uh went above $1,900 very quickly. That's a big round number that you would expect some trepidation around, but was able to punch through pretty firmly. Um, all the things still going in uh, gold's favor as far as the money uh, printer going burr and stimulus discussions for uh, more checks coming out. The weakening of the dollar you mentioned, the uh, ticking down of uh, bonds to the 0.5 level of the 10 year I'm talking about uh, towards it at least. And I mean, you know, if you were writing the script and this is sort of, you know, a lot of contrarians are saying this now, if you were writing a script for higher gold prices, this is precisely how you would um, author it. And so, um, you know, I, I said yesterday to expect pullbacks, but not necessarily that they were going to materialize. And so, um, you know, we were only 20 some dollars away, if that, uh, from record prices. So I'm with you in that we, we take it out sooner uh, than later. And um, I guess uh, in line with that, well, while I'm running my mouth, you know, some of the related equities were soft today, despite mm, uh, going yep. through $1,900. So there's definitely some profit taking going on. Um, People are tired of making money, Nick. They got tired and didn't (laughs) want to trade on a Friday. That's how you know you have a bull market, right? When gold breaks that nice round 1900 and people are selling their stock and taking profits, you know, midsummer. It's, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought there, but it was No, 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 that's it. Yeah, and let's get right to it. You know, we talked last week. This is now a stock picker's market. You should know what you're doing. I, I, I saw a lot of tweets this week from some of the brightest amongst us newsletter writer people um, 
where, you know, they're, they're touting big wins, which is great. Um, you should. You should be very proud of those. But there are also a couple of people seemed at a loss as to what to do next. And if you don't have a plan for what to do next, you're going to miss out on a lot of the profit cycle, right? And this is where it really pays to know the sector, to have the network, to have the connections. We talked a few weeks back about how important it is to invest in yourself and guidance and research and 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 reach out. And I think it's going to be critical for a lot of these companies that are up two, three, four hundred percent in the last month. If they're going to sustain and add to those gains, um, they better have a real plan or it's just going to be paper selling into the market and it'll be a round trip, right? Uh, well, that's how this typically goes. And we know among the, the thousands of call it whatever, TSXV companies, a couple of thousand juniors that are out there. There's a certain amount of lifestyle companies and you see some of the the projects get retouted now that we have a new bull market that were, you know, trotted out of the last bull market, the same old tropes. And, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the, the audience is for this uh, podcast, but, you know, if you're listening to us, you probably have been around the junior space for a little bit or at least have enough interest in it that you've uh, read about it and have heard some of the stories. And so you definitely get some of that, uh, whatever, shiesty activity coming back out and you have to keep an eye out for that. Um, and uh, at the same time, uh, one thing I've been saying is, you know, take a look at your portfolio and sort of um, extinguish the positions that you, you don't want to carry on with while you got a little bit a little bit of liquidity because there are going to be good things to buy. And if you um separate from that happen to dabble in, in private placements there are going to be warrants to exercise if you if you do that and and you keep track of it like i had do a nick's notebook you know there's warrants that are, are in the money and as you and i were just talking about before we started recording some that are now being uh accelerated right yeah <laughs> for the past five years i would see these acceleration clauses i, I forgot how to <laughs> exercise the warrant for a while there nick <laughs> <laughs> acceleration clauses have been laughable for half a decade right they never ever have the warrants like gotten to the price i think maybe once in five years i've seen an acceleration clause enacted in here now you have um it, it's starting to happen again and and that's good right to, to remind people what a warrant is right it's when you can uh have the the right to buy a, a stock at a certain price and and when the stocks in the junior mining space are going up precipitously and you have uh, warrants that are priced well below the market and they're in the money, then uh, that's the leverage that comes into play with private placements. And so um, anyway, I'm starting to ramble. But like you say, you've got to have a plan. What am I going to sell to generate the capital to exercise these warrants? When do I want to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, making sure you're sticking with the names that are going to have the uh, the catalyst uh, and the management teams to see those catalysts through throughout the bull market, right? As the great Stormy Daniels would say, you have to know how to ride the bull if you're going to make the most out of it. Got to do it. Take it by the horns. All sorts of uh, sayings, right? I like it. Let's talk silver. Um, I said for weeks and months, actually, that until silver broke $20.50, it's kind of my line in the sand, right? Like it, it used to be fourteen fifty four for gold back in the days. Um, but I said that if it didn't break twenty fifty, I wasn't a believer it's at 2270. It's up 16% for the week. I'm a believer and I can't believe Nick. And, and I get giddy, right? Cause I'm greedy with my profits. I get giddy at the fact that there's so many quality companies 
um, that still are not catching a bid. Uh, I know you're writing a check for one that I really like that I've been buying um, in the open market and, and, and will likely continue to. And again, the difference between knowing the space and knowing how to put metrics to these smaller companies um, is going to be the difference between, you know, 100% gains that, 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 that go backwards and, and become round trips and 1,000% gains. But yeah, I think it speaks to the fact that we have a lot of newbies in the space that, that, that are just getting their, their, you know, their feet wet and, and figuring this thing out. And, and you know that because there are still a lot of quality companies that are not catching bids. And frankly, there's a lot of trash that are catching big bids, big bids. So I, I, I think it's an interesting dichotomy there. I am uh, writing a bigger check than anticipated into the deal you speak of because someone conveniently um, <laughs> trans transposed the number of units I requested with the dollar amount, and so uh, and then stubbornly refused to change it back. And so, uh, <laughs> do I need to make a call hope, for you, Nick? I know somebody. Hope, hopefully, it pays off uh, because I'm now getting more <laughs> units than I originally had uh, expressed interest for. So. Um, and yeah, no, um, and this is one, you know, it's actually funny. I was taking a look at one of, uh, the portfolios for the monthly newsletter I write the other day, and I actually got to give somebody some shit for this, but every single, uh, metal and mining pick in that portfolio is up except for, uh, the one we're talking about in Mexico. And so, um, and it's not, um, it, it's, I mean, there's, it could be a litany of reasons, right. But primarily it's. Um, at least in my mind, there's uh, some uh, unclarity around permitting that I believe will be resolved. And, um, you know, uh, it hasn't really been out there banging the horn because it's sort of in a, in a quiet period as this um, legal stuff plays out. But anyway, yes, to, to answer your question or to comment on your point, um, some of these ones that are running or some of these companies that are going out and and saying they're going to raise half a million dollars and coming back with a million are uh, whatever single asset stories um, are going to have to raise more money to continue going. Whereas um, others um, are either multiple asset stories or they're much further ahead in the game as far as development is concerned, whether that's um, already having a resource or already having a, a, a whatever economics, PEA, PFS, a mill, you know, pick whatever it is that you like about a development story and, um, you look at those relative, I've been looking at a lot of comparison charts lately, right? It's that time and who's outperforming, who hasn't gone yet. Um, and basing some decisions on, on that, just like you say. Absolutely. And again, knowing the people involved and the institutions involved, um, is extremely helpful in this market. This particular company, the one you and I are referencing, you know, there's an institution that I believe holds four to 5 million shares and they're looking to off them. And I believe that this financing, um, I'll speculate, that this financing is being done in part um, to help clean up that overhead, which would explain why the stock, you know, despite moving millions of shares, you know, nearly every day or every other day, um, you know, ticks up a penny or two and then ticks back a penny or two. And it's been doing that two-step, you know, for the past several weeks and months. And so, again, that's a stock that I think is a triple in short order because it hasn't participated. Um but yeah, if you don't know that, you know, there's an institution with four or five million shares that they're looking off, if you don't know that long-term committed shareholders are going to come in and clean that up, um, then you would just think by reading the chart that the company's broken, right? 
And both you and I know that, you know, that, that obviously is not the case. They are coming off a quiet period. But again, I think that'll change now with some of the COVID restrictions being lifted in Mexico and, and the permitting getting along uh, further, hopefully soon. <laughs> I mean, that's it, right? Be, be, be right and sit tight, we said uh, last week. And so um, especially in the, in the quality names that you've whatever been in for a long time or that you um, you know, know to be in a position to, to, to deliver you gains and execute here over the coming months. Let's talk the dollar, the one, and this is actually playing out the way I thought it would because it's not over yet. But the one thing that hasn't happened that, um, I believe still will happen is the, the, the broader U S indices have gone up the way I expected. Gold has done exactly what I thought it would do, um, as expected. And the dollar is the one that right now, um, if you believe everybody out there, this is it, right? They're printing like crazy and, um, you know, no end in sight, bipartisan support to keep bankrupting future generations of taxpayers and citizens. Um, there is no policy disagreement when it comes to spending. It's about how much. It's not a question of if with with both major parties in this country. But, you know, the dollar at 94.40, a lot of people believe this is it. And, and I think it's short-sighted. I think 2021 and, and the latter part of this year is going to make for a, a, a pretty epic U.S. dollar rally. And I think that we're looking at this just from the U.S. perspective. We're not taking a global view of capital inflows and capital outflows. And I think that, you know, the, 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 the European Central Bank, the ECB, just passed a big stimulus package, a large one. That's put some pressure, you know, on the dollar as, as the euro straightened up here a bit. And it's looking attractive. But, you know, if you're looking at Europe, if you're looking at some of these other countries, you know that their budgets are not sustainable. You could look at GDP. Um, you could look at, you know, what they owe. You could look at when it's due. You could see the interest rates they're paying. And you know they're going to blow up sooner or later. It's just how it happens. So I say all that to say, don't be surprised if you see a nasty, nasty rally in the dollar here um, towards year end and, and starting off 2021, which, by the way, I don't believe it'll impact the price of gold in the mid to long term. But, you know, in the short term, of course, the strengthening dollar uh, could cause it to pull back, although it's clear that we're in a bull market and we're headed much higher. It's like a choke on a, on a weed whacker or a, or a lawnmower, right? Um, uh, you know, when weak dollar typically means higher metals prices, right? Higher commodities prices, higher gold. It's inverse relationship to a gold price. So um, in, the, in the short term, the weak dollar is uh, one of the things that's driving gold higher in addition to all the other things that uh, we've talked about and you just mentioned, the additional money printing, uh, etc. Right. And so, um, you've said for a long time that the gold bull market's not going to be sustainable until, uh, the gold price is moving, uh, higher in step with the dollar. Is that correct? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so here's what I mean. Here's what I mean by the choke. Like when you start a weed whacker cold or when you start a, a lawnmower cold, right, you got to put it on full choke for a second and sort of, you know, pull for a couple of times and then you put it on half choke and then it starts. And then after it's run for a second and start to get warm, you can like take the choke off. It's like I'm almost looking at this weak dollar right here. It's like the choke, right, to get the thing started. Agreed. Agreed. And meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, we have the first down week in the Dow in over four weeks while 50 million, over 50 million have filed for unemployment, 25% approximately of all U.S. loans, credit cards, and mortgages are in financial hardship programs. Again, the disconnect, right? 
Well, yeah, and you can see it in the banks and the and the credit cards as well, which have, have all been short. So when you're looking at the entire financial sector, individual stocks like Wells Fargo or American Express, uh, total and absolute disconnect. Yeah, and it's um, you know goes beyond uh, credit as well. And so uh, seeing more permanence in, in these job losses, a lot more uh, businesses we're learning are, are going to be uh, closed, not just for COVID, but forever. And so. Um, yeah, utter disconnect out there, right? It's um, it's clear, and it's it's what everyone's been talking about as far as you know, stocks still um, at or near record highs. Agreed, agreed. And meanwhile, you know, we have U.S. yields. The the, the five year yield just hit an all time low of point two five five percent. Um, in Germany, you know, it's 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 negative half a percent, I believe, for the ten year right now. Um, but you know, rates are headed lower. That's that's the one thing I think you can count on. That's a lot of support for those that have stayed away from gold as an asset class because of the fact that it wasn't yielding. You know, in the words of Mr. Buffett, um, in 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 a positive manner. And so, um, you know, you start having five percent rallies every week. That adds up really quick. And there's not a lot of meat left on the bone, like you say, putting in record lows already. And um, along with a, a weaker dollar, negative real rates are certainly one of the main drivers for gold. And so that's what I was saying earlier about if you were writing the script for uh, higher gold prices, this is how you'd be writing it. Absolutely. Do we want to talk about the East Area Rapist, otherwise known as the Golden State Killer? I'm trying to think if I've come across this anywhere or not. I have certainly not seen the documentary or anything, but let me see if it, if it rings a bell when you talk about it. Sounds good. The documentary is called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Um, I was familiar with this gentleman because my brother, who's a, a, a reporter, you know, enemy of the state at the Washington Post, <laughs> he's a journalist. He actually interviewed um, some of the victims of, of, of this asshole, uh, you know, over the years. And so he interviewed several family members and victims of this guy. And so this guy in the seventies um, and eighties was, was, well, he just admitted to killing more than a dozen people um, and over 50 rapes. And many believe there were many, many more, but I'm watching this documentary and I'd heard of the gentleman before because of my brother. And, you know, it wasn't until like episode three or four, I believe that they mentioned that, you know, one, yes, he is one of the deadliest serial killers and rapists um, that we've ever had in this country. And two, the the the, the small little nugget of information that just kind of got thrown in there is, oh, yeah, by the way, he used to be a police officer mm-hmm. and raped, you know, tens of women um, while he was an officer. And, and, and then it started making a little more sense to me. You know, we all know who the son of Sam is. We've heard of the Zodiac killer. We've heard of Charles Manson, you know, all of these people that don't have anywhere near, um, you know, the, the numbers that this guy has, the nasty numbers that this guy has. And, you know, I just started thinking, I'm like, well, why, why, you know, why hasn't he, you know, been more out in, in, in the public. And obviously it's because I, I believe it's part of it is because people don't, people don't want to touch the fact that he used to be a police officer and he committed a lot of these crimes while he was a cop. He looks like somebody's grandfather. I just Googled him real quick and I'm scanning the, the Wikipedia page. Yeah. M- multiple nicknames for this guy. Um, wait, it was he the golden state killer or is it different? Okay. Same guy. Same yeah, guy. Same. So this is the one that the, the book was written about recently. Is that right? Or no? you, you got it. You got it. Yeah. Okay. And so do, do you know how he was arrested? 
Um, I, I don't, I'm, I, it's not clear in my mind. So go ahead, tell the story. Yeah. You're on. So this guy's, you know, he's raping and killing, you know, at will in the seventies and eighties. Um, he didn't get caught until 2018. That's why you have that grandfatherly image on your screen right now, Nick. And the reason that he got caught is, is investigators used genealogy websites and, and DNA samples gathered at crime scenes and, and then they matched up the profile, the DNA profile. Um, and that's the only reason that this guy was ever caught. And it's, um, but yeah, the guys, sorry, the, the comedian's wife wrote the book though. Patton Oswalt, you know, you that got guy? it. So this documentary, yeah. absolutely. The documentary. Now, is, now this is yeah, where you got about. it. So this is, so this is the documentary based on, 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 on her work. Um, and with the officer that ultimately made the arrest. And it's just a really well done documentary. Sad, of course, um, and infuriating, frankly, that that this was allowed to happen for so long and that this guy didn't get caught on. So he's almost on his deathbed anyway. Right. But um, yeah, fascinating stuff, disturbing stuff. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was worth mentioning. We're, we're all home, we're all home, hopefully. So something to watch. There you go. Something to. um yeah, well, it was sad that he uh, is not going to get to serve as much justice as he definitely deserves. And um, you say you've been watching more documentaries lately. I haven't uh, been watching much TV as I don't. I was actually thinking before we recorded uh, what I've watched recently. And I think um, I've only watched uh, two things in the past <laughs> probably, pro- probably month. I watched The Joker Holy over smoke. the 4th of July weekend, and The Joker was fantastic. Fantastic. I'm behind on all that, but appropriate for this summer, very, very much so. Yes, sir. Um, beating up the Wall Street guys in the trade. Come on. So um, good. And then, so good. Yeah. And then I watched the, the Unsolved Mysteries about Porter Stansberry, right, which has the whole industry talking. And so that's the only two uh, documentaries I've watched. I have not seen that. Is that on Netflix? Have you heard? I have not. I had no oh, so idea. We'll, Educate we'll me, Mr. A, Hodge. We'll spend a second. Do it. Um, Unsolved Mysteries is back. You remember Unsolved Mysteries from back in the day. Robert right? Stack. Loved it. One of the best that's TV right. voices ever. Exactly right. It's back on uh, Netflix. And the first, the premiere episode was about um, this death in Baltimore. Ray, Ray Rivera is the guy, the gentleman's name that uh, died or uh, was killed, allegedly. We'll see. Um, or we won't see because uh, it's unsolved. <laughs> but um, I remember when I started in the publishing, the financial publishing business in Baltimore, which is home of the you know biggest publishing financial publishing company in the world, Agora. Um, this death was only for now. About a year old. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, this this death was recent. This death happened in 2006, and I started in 2007. And so you know there was still. Uh, rumors and stuff about it. But anyway, this guy, Ray Rivera, um, fell through or was thrown or was pushed uh, from somewhere on the Belvedere Hotel and fell through the roof and in the conference room of the hotel and landed in the conference room and lay there dead for a week. Uh, his wife reported what? him missing. They, they didn't find him for a week. Um, the guy was Porter Stansberry's best friend. Uh, had moved to San Diego, I think, for a bit of time and then back to Maryland and was working with Porter at the time at Stansbury and Associates, was co-authoring a newsletter with him. Uh, the last thing that happened that anyone saw him was uh, he and his wife were renting out uh, a part of their house to someone 
the wife was out of town. Uh, Ray Rivera was home working. He receives a call. The person who's staying in their house hears the, the call, but doesn't know exactly what they're talking about. He rushes out of the house in, in a hurry uh, in sandals. And that's it. They find his car parked uh, around the corner from the Agora offices, which is where this hotel is in Mount Vernon. And they found his body a week later uh, in the conference room, having fallen through the, the roof of the conference uh, center. And so uh, the la- they traced the phone call. The phone call that he received came from Stansberry and Associates. And, oh, man. Uh, that's it. Well, I learned something today. That's interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I will have to, well, I know how it ends now, obviously, but I'll still have to look, look, look into it. Um, yeah, that's, that's talk about a bizarro world, right? I mean, that's it. And so, um, you know, there's some things that they glossed over quite fast that I would want to know more about. Like um, they recommended some uranium company with Russian ties that a bunch of people lost money in. And that letter was co-signed Porter and Ray. Um, and they glossed over that like very fast. I don't know. I mean, I don't know any more of the details and, and I can't even speculate further than that because I never worked at uh, Agora, but I do know some people that worked there at the time and um, they had to sign gag orders, et cetera. And so um, Porter wouldn't cooperate with the case, all sorts of stuff. Very interesting. I'm glad I work from home. <laughs> Let's talk about the judge out of New Jersey who was assigned um, the lawsuit that was brought by investors against Deutsche Bank over its involvement um, in the handling of financial matters that were related um, to, you know, sexual predator, Mr. Jeff Epstein, a uh, notorious piece of shit, obviously, that hung himself, right? Um, she was assigned the case earlier this week. And then have you have you read the story yet, Nick? I've been careful because it was changing fast and a lot of people had opinions early and I wasn't quite sure how it was going to shape up. So, and I still don't know how I feel about it, but yeah, I've, I've read about it. Yeah. So for those not familiar, um, the judge is assigned, you know, this case. And a few days later, uh, a, a guy posing as a FedEx driver shoots, knocks on the door, shoots and kills the 20 year old son of the federal judge in New Jersey who answered the door. The husband happened to be standing behind him. He was also shot. And, you know, it appears that the only reason that the judge wasn't killed is because she happened to be in the basement when, you know, the the, the, the killer rang um, the bell. And so it's, um, you know, you know what they say about coincidences. It is interesting that the gentleman that is now being accused, um, and it's pretty clear it was him, um, was an attorney that... You know, it's rumored he had cancer. They're saying they believe that he shot another attorney in California. And so this guy was just, you know, supposedly, at, you know, at the end of his life and decided that what he wanted to go do was, was you know, go kill this judge. And apparently someone else, um, suspect's name is Roy Den Hollander. Um, same gun that was used in California was used in New Jersey. And so it's, uh, you know, the guy ends up killing himself, of course. Right. So we'll never know what really motivated it. Um, those are the facts thus far. Yeah. Um, I think the media wanted to run with that Epstein thing really fast. And I, 
I wanted to be cautious of that. I just, I'm not sure if that's really what it was or if it was a coincidence that she was working on that case because um, didn't he also have some writings or some uh, uh, some vocal opinions sort of about men's rights and some other cases that she was working on? And so I'm not sure if this was an Epstein thing or this was just a, a sick individual that happened to attack somebody that was also working on an Epstein case. And so um, nonetheless, uh, serious issues for this individual and uh, I think a lot of other people in the in the country right now in, in this stressful time. So uh, let's all be careful and and. and and treat one another well. Agreed. Agreed. Um, a few months back, we talked about how crazy 2020 was and the fact that they, you know, the Pentagon <laughs> basically admitted, yeah, you know, we've seen a bunch of UFOs, but here's some footage. Um, finally, I just this week, uh, we find out that um, they have vehicles that quote unquote were not made on this earth. And so the Pentagon will be updating the U.S. Senate's Intelligence Committee on its UFO research project. It does so every six months. And so, you know, there's a task force for, the task force for this. It's called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm curious did, as all heck. I want to see these did things. Say, did you just say vehicles not made on this earth? That's exactly verbatim what the report says. And and who has these vehicles? Our military. And are there pictures? I haven't seen this. Are there pictures of them? They have not released images. I am dying to see what these things look like. Oh, goodness gracious. I hadn't seen this yet, but I will be... Uh, <laughs> 2020. Uh, it didn't even make the top 10 things on a Friday, July the 24th. I, <laughs> I, I mean, that's crazy. I was writing most of the day and I haven't been looking at the, the Twitter or the news, but if not made on this earth is in quotes, then that's pretty crazy. Unearthly vehicles not made on this earth. Hmm. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, looking forward to learning more. Uh, Marco Rubio's dumbass said if it's something from outside this planet, that that might actually be better than the Chinese or the Russians. <laughs> that was your wisdom from the senator out of Florida. <laughs> Marco Rubio, who uh, tweeted the wrong picture of John Lewis last weekend after uh, the passing of that great man. Uh, that guy. That guy. Uh, yeah. Way to go, Marco. Good job. Keep it up, buddy. Anyhow, <laughs> let's talk um, Dr. Fauci. Uh, did you see the first pitch? I know you've been busy writing, as have I, nope. doing a million other things. So he threw out the first pitch. I'm happy to announce today is opening day for my beloved Cubs. Um, yesterday was the official opening day for Major League Baseball. It's good to have baseball back. I'm looking forward to a weekend of it. Um, but yeah, Dr. Fauci was allowed to throw out the ceremonial first pitch at the Washington Nationals opener. And <laughs> we'll put a link up, but it, it, it sure looked like a fuck you to America for the way that you've acted during this COVID crisis. <laughs> he basically grabbed the ball and just you know, spike the mound. It seemed like, <laughs> I don't think it was an accident, but that's just me. That's speculation. I think that was his way of saying, you know, America, you guys have been absolutely idiotic about your approach to this thing that could have been, you know, nipped in the butt in 30 days, right? Here we are still worried about our kids going to school. You and I were having a conversation. What happens the first time someone gets sick? Do they shut it down for two weeks? What if someone else gets sick? Cause it's not going to be just one person. Um, 
it, it it's a mess, right? And I think the first pitch was a, a great metaphor for how he feels about what's going on. He's been America's doctor for some time, and um, I was going to make a joke about the the name of the team. Is I was going to call them the Washington Baseball Team, just like we have the, <laughs> the Washington the, we have the Washington Football Club now, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, they conveniently decided to do it the week that, you know, the owner and, and, and some of the top brass over there at the formerly known Washington Redskins were, you know, implicated in a lawsuit of, you know, they're being accused of perpetuating, you know, a culture of, 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 of sexual harassment against women specifically. Um, and it's not just one or two. It's, it's like 15 women. And there's supposedly a lot of documented evidence of this. And so... Um, yeah, again, don't believe in coincidences too much. It's interesting to me that they decided to make um, the news of the week about the changing of the name after FedEx, I believe, decided that they will quit writing checks if that didn't change. Interesting timing. I'm curious to see what the lawsuit does in the way of actual reform. Um, we'll see, if anything, Back right? To- Back to baseball, though, I saw a study this week. Are you, what's your view on the shortened season? Is a World Series win uh, as, uh, you know, does it get an asterisk beside it, basically? If the Astros can win a World Series by cheating and that doesn't get an asterisk, neither does this. So if my Cubs go 60 games and we go to the playoffs and we win a World Series, I am celebrating my ass off and it will be our second title in the past four or five years. So no, you know, I'm a traditionalist as well. I'm a purist at heart. Um, You know, spending my childhood in Chicago, going to Wrigley Field, sneaking out of school in third grade, riding the bus to go catch games um, when you could buy a seat for $3.50. I didn't like when Wrigley Field um, installed lights at their stadium, right? It was just day games at that time. And um, I didn't want to see that happen. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, um, the team was bought by the Ricketts, and they've done a, a great job, regardless of how you feel about their political stance. They've done an amazing job of, you know, revamping the stadium, and they added a digital scoreboard, and I was against that too. And I, I got to say, I you know, I go to Cub games now, and, and this will be the first year I don't get to do it because of the COVID restrictions. But, you know, I love the scoreboard. I love the lights. Um, so the traditionalist in me says, yeah, it won't feel the same. But man, a playoff run is a playoff run and a World Series is a World Series. And, you know, depending on revenue and, and, and attendance, um, we'll see if a shortened season doesn't capture more of America's attention because baseball has been struggling to find a way to keep up with the fact that people's attention spans are less and less, right? Um, and so, you know, most people, when they go see a basketball game, somebody's scoring every 24 seconds, go see a boxing match if it's a halfway decent one. People are getting punched in the face. That's entertaining for some people, including myself. Um, With baseball, you know, it's ebb and flow. And, you know, there's a lot to it that if you're not a hardcore fan, it can seem boring. So I'm curious to see how the season plays out. I know the ratings for day one were up like something like 250%. Um, So it's just one day. Yeah, people are home. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited for it, though. I can't wait. Got my Cubs on in a few hours. I'm, I'm, I'm. Getting out of here, getting a workout in, and uh, yeah, throwing the jersey on and, and going to do it. 
And you know, the home field advantage has been diminished now without the fans and in, in some of the sports that have already gone back, like South Korea, for example, there have already been studies done on, you know, how many runs the home team scores when they're at home versus now when there's, you know, no, no local fans in the stadium and the, the home team advantage is definitely diminished. And so it's a, def, a definitely a different dynamic for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nick, we've talked gold, silver, the dollar. Do you have any junior names of, of companies people should watch out for or want to do a couple of freebies today? I mean, you know, it's easy because there's certain names I'm looking at and there's certain names I want to buy and there's certain names that I've increased, you know, buy under prices on that were uh, right at that price today based on the pullback and some of the names that I watch. And so, um, like I bought some more Chicana today, for example, it has pulled back uh, a little bit uh, ahead mm-hmm. of upcoming drilling in, in Soledad. And so um, there's one that I bought today. Easy. Excellent name. Again, you know, the the, the intercepts that, that they were hitting uh, before the COVID restrictions um, weren't even in what they believe is the most prospective part of the property, which is, 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 is where they're going to drill here in the next month or so. Um, and, you know, they were hitting hundreds of meters of, you know, a couple of grams per ton gold and a couple of percent copper. And uh, yeah, no, if, if, if they just duplicate those results, um, you know, that's a stock that could be two, $3 in this gold copper market quickly. Yeah, and had a nice run when it announced that it was getting its uh, permit. I just pulled up the chart real quick. Ran over 60 cents and now, right, it's pulled back to 40 cents today, which is sort of where I was telling people to uh, buy under. And uh, I do what I tell other people to do, Gerardo. So I was uh, looking for that level myself. I like it. I like it. I'll likely be adding to that position as well. Um, Here's an interesting new name uh, for everyone, Angus Ventures. Um, I think there is going to be a lot of attention paid to this company. You know, we're biased because you and I both wrote a check uh, here recently for the company. We obviously believe in it. Um, You know, they have a couple of hundred square kilometer land package um, located in North Central Ontario. It's the same team. um, the The group of guys and gals from Probe, which I believe is a takeout target. Um... And, you know, tiny market cap, excellent share structure, good people behind it, uh, good supportive shareholders. And, you know, I, I, I think if Probe is taken out, Angus becomes the focus of that team. Um, so, yeah, we'll, 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 see, we'll see how that shapes up in the next month or two. That's also my way of telling you that I think, um, you know, Probe Metals is, 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 is a clear takeout target. I think they're on the way to five, six million ounces. Um, they have something like 25, 30 million Canadian in the bank. They're drilling the hell out of that property and they're hitting, you know, eight meters of eight grams per ton gold, you know, um, 22 meters of 1.4 grams per ton gold. And they have multiple properties. So I could see that getting uh, taken out and then I could see the the attention shifting to Angus. So one to look into, you're going to have to be patient if you buy it. There's not a lot of stock for sale. Um, the bid ask spread is something like 10 to 15 cents every day on not a lot of volume, but you know, in, in this market, um, once drilling starts in the next month or two, it's going much, much higher. There you go. A couple of names there, uh, still early in the bull market. Like you say, have some patience, let things play out, kind of listening to develop and, um, hopefully we get a decent run here to, to allow that to happen. Make people some money, right? That's the goal. (laughs) 
That's it. All right, Mr. Hodge. Anything else you want to add to that? Do you have a happy story for the day? My happy story is that baseball is back. My Cubs are back, and the World Series hunt begins today. I think mine is going to be $1,900 gold. You know, we've been waiting for it for uh, a long time. It was uh, a rough road. It was a lot of people, uh, you know, including subscribers, writing in frustrated, wondering why you're picking these companies, wondering when they're going to go. Um, not understanding the volatility of the junior market and, and being frustrated at being down 20 and 30% and uh, now seeing how quickly those names can turn around and how fast they can move to the upside, similar to the downside. So, um, you know, $1,900 gold, I think is a pretty positive story for the week. Agreed. Agreed. We'll leave it on that note. Gold is heading higher. Let's see if the next time we talk, Nick, uh, we're not talking about uh, or we are talking about all-time historic highs um, in U.S. dollars for the price of gold. And let's see what silver does. I see Mr. Eric Sprott's out there gobbling up a lot of the physical metal out there, and that may be leading to some of the squeeze that, that we've seen. So interesting times. I am Gerardo Del Real. It's been fun hanging out with Mr. Nick Hodge, as always. Therapy for the end of the week. Have a great week, everybody. Be kind to each other, even if you don't agree with each other. This was episode 79 of Bizarro World. Say goodbye, Nick. See ya.